What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of On the Pitch presented by Deep Dive Sports. As always, I'm your host, Dom, and this week I'm joined by Zach and Chase. Hello. Good to be here. Good to see you guys again. So wrapping up another week of Champions League football, it was a fairly uneventful first leg of the round of 16. Um, still, always obviously, some interesting storylines coming out of this week. Uh, what did you guys take away from it? We'll start with uh, Zach on this one. Well, my bold dark horse prediction of Inter is looking real bleak. Uh, <laughs> it's not just that they lost 2-0, no, didn't get a shot on target. They're definitely not going I guess I underestimated just how good Liverpool is when they're at full strength. So that was my biggest disappointment. Um, I'd say the one that I found most interesting was Madrid PSG. Um, mm-hmm. I think the scoreline, 1-0, that is something I, I would have been okay with beforehand, but I did not expect PSG to be that dominant. And I didn't expect Madrid to almost play for a tie because I've never really seen Modric drop back quite that far in the midfield. And same with Tony Cruz, but mostly Modric was playing almost as a CDM the entire game, doing it well. Yeah, for me, I think the the most interesting result was the Juventus-Villarreal game. Um, it was a 1-1 draw. Uh, Juventus started out as strong as possible, scoring within the first minute with Blahovic's first goal in his Champions League debut, um, which was a bit shocking. And then they kind of really do a whole lot <laughs> after that, if I'm being honest. It was a little back and forth, but uh, Villarreal kind of took over that game and ended up coming back extremely strong in the second half, which for a side that's not normally known for putting up competition against larger sides, as Juventus would be known as, I was a little surprised at. I believe when I when we did our predictions, I actually took Villarreal over Juventus as my dark horse. And I'm not going to say... It's not possible, but it's looking kind of likely at this point, depending on how Juventus plays next match. I would not be shocked if they were actually able to pull this off. Um, So for me, that was probably one of the more interesting results of the first leg of the Champions League. Um, I think my favorite, though, I mean, just it just had to be PSG versus Madrid. And, And not only just because it's like, it's like PSG versus Madrid, but exactly like Zach was saying, I mean, you had a Real Madrid that's usually the forefront and the pusher of the competition that was really, really playing subdued football as, as if, as if they were scared of PSG when PSG, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say has been lackluster, but they've been a little lackluster, especially when it comes to the champions league and even in league one and, and the, the, the Copa de France, I mean, they've not really been performing as a team. So I was kind of shocked that Real wouldn't see that and kind of try to put the foot out front. But, um, I mean, I'm happy with the result. Obviously, as a Barcelona fan, I don't particularly enjoy Real Madrid. So it's fair. I was wondering, though, do you feel like it kind of plays into overall the decline of La Liga? Because even today, we had Atletico play a Man United team that has been struggling. We've talked about it. And, you know, that ended up being a 1-1 draw. Barcelona yep. played Napoli. I think Napoli is a a decent team. I don't think they should be able to draw to Barca. So it feels like this kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with La Liga overalls just still being a little bit behind. 
there's there's definitely a lot of issues with our league right now and i think a lot of it is financial and mm-hmm. financial and the boards of the biggest clubs real madrid and barcelona had let their clubs because they'd been so dominant and moderately dominant even as the club continued to age and their midfielders age and their defenders age they were still playing good but they weren't looking far enough ahead and now the average squad age of both of those squads is just mm. i mean it's it's too much they're they're too much on a decline they're too much in debt there's a lot to bring back and i, I mean there's just there's not a lot you can expect from them except bringing in which we'll talk about a little later, I'm sure, is the Holland and Mbappe debate that's going on with La Liga. But, yeah, I, I mean, even, I mean, just touching on Atletico Madrid, and I, I think I talked about this last podcast, is that they were both, both of those teams have not been, Man United and Atletico Madrid have not been catching a run of form. And Barcelona kind of was. Real Madrid is pretty much always in form in the league. They've been stumbling a little bit. But, I, I mean, it's just... I, I don't know. And, and I feel like Letico of all of the clubs has not had as many problems with keeping a rotating squad, getting new players in, getting old players out, keeping their finances in set. So it's a little disheartening to see that even the third biggest club, if you can call it that, or someone argue the second in La Liga is not able to dismantle a shambolic <laughs> Man United mm-hmm. side. Yeah. And they're there. I mean, they're the team that have had the most consistent management. I mean, obviously not everyone's been a fan of uh, Simeone's style of football, but you can't argue that it's shown results with a lower budget, that it has been consistently his style every single year. So I was really surprised, really surprised when they came out weaker, significantly weaker this year than last year. And I, yeah, it's that, that's an odd one. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I think for the Champions League this week, obviously I was most excited about the Man City game <laughs> winning five nothing. <laughs> um, that game wasn't even a competition. I loved every second of it. Um, but I think the most interesting match this week was the game we watched yesterday with uh, Chelsea. And I, I hold on, I butchered this club name every time I try to pronounce it. Leal. Le- yeah, yeah Leal. Okay. Um, yeah, so the most interesting game I think this week was Chelsea and Lille. I know Chelsea won pretty handily 2 nothing, but do you guys think it's time that we start referring to Kai Havertz as one of the better strikers in the world? Because he played out of his mind in the in the first half of this game. He had I, I watched a lot of the highlights. He had what three shots on goal in the first half, one goal. The the two shots that he missed were pretty damn close. He really could have had a hat trick in that first half. I am praying that he just keeps being used as a striker uh, because in some of these World Cup qualifiers, Germany was using Thomas Miller as a striker. And I'd really love to not see that at the World Cup so that, you know, they actually have a chance of getting out of the group stage. Uh, so, yeah, we need a new German striker. We haven't had one in a while. <laughs> he could be the one. It was going to be Timo, but Timo could- is a water boy for the team now and doesn't actually play. So that's a bit of a bummer. But yeah, he really. I agree. Kai Havertz is probably the best and most consistent option, which is weird considering how much they've spent on strikers in two consecutive years. Right. Which brings me to my next question. Do you guys think Lukaku is going to be sold? Because he just doesn't seem to fit in with the club at all. He's breaking uh, records. 
He's breaking records. <laughs> I, I, I guess he put it that way too, but fewest touches in a game. <laughs> Played all 90 minutes, touched the ball seven times. It's not a pro club match, Lukaku. You got to get back there. Play some Harry Kane football if you need to. I don't care. He didn't even touch the ball once every 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, as the resident Chelsea fan here, <laughs> I. I don't know what they're going to do with Lukaku, just like I don't know what they're going to do with Timo since he's not playing. I know Timo wants to play for the club, but he wants to play football. Lukaku doesn't want to play for the club, but he wants to play football. <laughs> but he also wants to play for the club. I, I I don't know what they're going to do. We have too many we have too many options up front. We have Ziyech, we have Hudson Odoi, we have Kai Havertz, we have Timo Werner, we have Pulisic, we have Lukaku, and only a, a couple of those players can play a multitude of positions. And if Kai Havertz keeps his run of form, if Pulisic keeps his run of form and stays out of the injury, if Ziyech keeps his run of form and stops breaking his ankle, I mean, that's going to be our front three is what I would like to think. And then, so that leaves the question, what what happens with Lukaku and Timo? And I genuinely don't think, I I genuinely think that we would keep Timo before we would keep Lukaku. Just not because of Lukaku's form specifically, although it has been shambolic, but because of his attitude on and off the pitch, referring to the club, talking about enter, and he's come out and he said, you know, I play for the badge. I play for this club. I've loved this club since I was a kid. You know, I didn't mean it in a disheartening way for the fans, but when you, when you say the things that you said about your heart lying with enter and wanting to play with enter again, and, you know, loving every second of being there, and then you come out, and you don't do anything for our club, you're kind of lackluster, you're not really moving around as much. I mean, it shows that he's not that interested in either A, playing with us, or B, he's just kind of lost his motivation right now because of everything that happened after the statements. And um, yeah, I, I think I genuinely, I don't know if it'll be this summer, but I don't think he sticks around um, past next summer. I think he's probably going to get sold. I genuinely probably, Timo will get sold as much as I love him. But I mean, t- touching on your Havertz striker conversation there, because I wanted to, I enjoy Kai playing striker. I, I, I think he's, I think he's got a wonderful first touch. He's, he's got the, the eye of the game. He knows where the goal is. He, he knows what he can do. He's got the finish to him. He's got the confidence. I think he absolutely needs to play striker. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if I would put him in a league of his own, <laughs> In the striker <laughs> position, um, I think he's I think he's really good for the team, and I think he plays really well with the kind of football that we are playing specifically. Um, yeah. But I would love, love, love to get that Timo Kai Havertz combination back on the pitch, no matter who plays where. If it's Timo left wing, whatever it needs to be. But when that is on the pitch, there's been some outstanding football that has been played, and usually Kai was playing striker. So if we need to keep him there, we need to keep him there. But He's definitely, I think he's the solution to the Chelsea striker problem. And I think we need to figure out something to do with Lukaku and Timo. It's somewhere either on the pitch or bring money in so we can square up a little bit more of the squad. Yeah. Well, you think, you, oh, no, sorry, go ahead. But you, you won't have those problems of having really low touches with Timo and Kai because um, right. you can say Timo's missed a lot of chances. I think that was blown a little out of proportion, but you know he's going to understand his role. He's going to he can play further back almost as like a false nine if he has to. And you have good wingers. 
Uh, I think Pulisic, when he's healthy, is great. I think Ziyech has really shown potential. So you can bring the striker a little bit further back, especially if they're as fast as Kai and as Timo. And then that can be a much more engaging style of play. Lukaku has not shown the willingness to do that. And I was thinking about what happens to Lukaku now. And part of me was like, oh, maybe, you know, with his history at Man United, maybe he's just not good in the Prem as an example. But I think it's genuinely just he's the kind of player that will not adjust his play style to the team. And it just has to happen to be a team that wants to play to his strengths. And the reason I'm saying that is because you have strikers like, I mean, we've talked about him, Chris Wood. And I mean, Wood Wakehorst comes into Burnley and they, they perform and they don't have the talent that a Lukaku has. But what they do have is, all right, coach, just point to the spot where you want me to be. I'll wait until I get the ball and I'll score a goal. Yeah. He's so fat Ronaldo. He's, Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And Lukaku's just not willing to do that. It has to be this team plays around me. So I don't know who's buying him at this point. Maybe he goes back to Syria, but they're not going to be able to pay the kind of money that Chelsea's probably going to be asking for. And I just don't know who else is looking for him at this point. That's fair. Do you guys think that the injuries to Kovacic and Ziak are going to affect Chelsea going forward? Yes. I think they will. I don't think as drastic as some other positions because I think they have a lot of those types of players that can kind of fill in. And they might not be as good, um, but they are definitely good enough to win the league games they're supposed to win, get to the next round of the Champions League, and kind of maintain expectations. So I think it is a loss, but I don't think one that's going to heavily affect results. I don't think the the Kovacic injury is going to affect us as much as maybe the Ziyech injury has. Um Specifically, just because of how well Ziyech has been playing on the pitch, um, but I mean, we do have replacements for both positions, and they're not. I mean, it's Jorginho, Conte, Saul, Saul, Ruben Loftus-Cheek. <laughs> I mean, just to name a couple of names out there. But um, I mean, I think it would it would benefit not the Ziyech injury, but I think it benefits the team a little bit just to hopefully get Timo back on the pitch with Kai playing striker with the Kaku's poor runner and hopefully Pulisic who looked like he was maybe either just tired or maybe picked up a little knock at the end of the game um, the other day. But I, I want to see that combination again because it's not really been shown on the pitch. Um, but I think no matter what, unless we sustain some really serious injuries, like Kai goes out, Maybe Mendy goes out, and I think Mendy would probably be the biggest one. Um, it, it, but even in the defense, like if Rudiger were to go out, we have Christensen to come in. We have Saar, who's on the up and up for the center back position. So I, I'm really not too worried about injuries for Chelsea right now. I'm, I'm generally not, and I hope that doesn't bite me in the butt. But <laughs> Yeah, well, that's another reason why I think it's important to sort out the attacking situation, because I think this summer – is probably going to have to be very defense-focused. I think Aspilicueta's leaving. I think there's a good chance Christensen, Rudiger could be leaving. Tiago, it's it's hard to say. You know, he could go another year, maybe not. So yeah, he's just hopefully... Old. Right, exactly. So I could easily see four or five defenders leaving Chelsea this summer, and that would need to be shored up. So hopefully by then, the attacking situation is at least established. Yeah, I agree. So moving on to the Premier League, it's been a pretty interesting last week. Um, some shocking scores, to say the least. Um, 
you know, over the weekend we had Tottenham beating City two or three two. Um, that was the most interesting game that I had over the weekend. But we had a couple games today, and to say that they were interesting is an understatement. So we had Liverpool beating Leeds six nothing. So a, a nice close game there. Um, Crystal Palace beating Watford four one, and then Tottenham losing to Burnley one nothing. So I don't know how Tottenham goes from beating City to losing to Burnley. Um, but what what do you guys think of the Prem over this last week? I mean, it's it's so stupid because the players change, the managers change, and Spurs bottle it. And I don't I I don't know. Is it a curse? Is it just the team identity that they refuse to take advantage of being in good positions? But what confuses me the most is just, like you said, how can you score three against Man City and then you can't score against Burnley? Yes, Burnley plays defensive, but they also spent a grand total of like $10 on their back line. Like these are not players that you should struggle to score against. When you're Harry Kane, when you're Son, when even if you're just, you don't even have to be the most prominent players, but you have to be able to score in these situations. Um let me just pull up the stats here. Yeah, they had like 65% possession. You have 12 total shots and none of them go in. So I, I'm i going to be really pessimistic. I'm writing Tottenham off for top four. I think it's done. Um, I think it's going to go to Man United because I have zero faith in Arsenal as well, even though Man United is terrible. Um, but I think the Crystal Palace result is really cool. I'm, I'm very impressed with what they've been able to do so far this season overall. Uh, Players that have always kind of been good, but maybe never really made it happen, like Zaha, are, you know, finding their form now. And if it's management, um, that Olise kid, I've watched him two or three times now. He's always looking dangerous. I really enjoy watching him. So, yeah, that game was a lot of fun. And I think Crystal Palace, you know, they might actually be building something. Yeah, I agree. Um, I like what you said, but... The most interesting game by far, if you're not a Tottenham fan, who, by the way, you were the only one who even thought about Tottenham making top four <laughs> until a couple of We made the Champions League final, well, that's probably like five years ago now. Feels like forever ago. Um, anyway, the best result of the weekend for me was Newcastle versus West Ham, and it was a 1-1 draw. But that, I mean, we, we talked about this on the podcast. Um, one of the first couple of episodes of this year when they originally got bought over that we were, I'm pretty sure we all came to a consensus that they're going to go down and, you know, rebuild and come back next year, the, the year after or whatever. It doesn't look like they're going down. It really does not. I mean, when you put up a one, one performance against the West Ham, who has been on the up and up the past couple of years, fighting for that top four spot this year, and you hold 53% possession, 14 shots, three on target against them. I mean, that is an improvement from going to almost one of the lowest scores the Premier League has ever seen to holding off a top four contender in the Premier League. I I watched that game. I was genuinely shocked at how well they played. I was, I mean, it was, I mean, it was just a great game to watch. And it was kind of just mind boggling to think about because even if you don't, like, if you just take out the picture of, the most money a club has ever seen in their entire life coming to them <laughs> and only buying two or three players, not world-class players. And then suddenly mm-hmm. you're playing the best football your club has seen in a decade. 
I, I mean, I just I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know if they're paying off the refs. I don't <laughs> I don't know if they're paying <laughs> off the other team. But they've been playing phenomenal, and it does not look like they're going anywhere this season. And I'm genuinely in shock of that because I really thought that, that was that was set in stone. And we had talked about their next five yeah. six after already only having like nine points and that they were going to lose all of them. They ended up drawing and winning a couple of those and only taking like only losing a couple of points out of those couple of games. And they've really fought to stay in this. But speaking of bottom of the table in Tottenham, Yay. Uh, <laughs> Burnley was bottom of the table when that game took place today. And those three points are keeping them almost out of relegation. So I'm happy for right. that. You know, I love me a good Burnley. So um, <laughs> I tell you I, what, though. Yeah. Going off of what you're talking about with Newcastle, I'm so impressed with how they've played since the transfer window closed. Um, when they brought in um, Trippier and whoever else they brought in, you know, I, I said on the show that I, I thought that they were good transfers. They were not going to be, you know, club changing superstars, but they were good fundamental pieces that can kind of stable the ship for this year and then use those players as building blocks for next year. They're playing better than I thought that they would be at, the, at this point, and I'm I'm just so impressed with how they're how they're playing right now. I would take this current Newcastle squad over. I mean, they're playing better than Tottenham at this point. I would take them over Everton, and uh, Brentford has been kind of not playing too well. I think they can honestly. I can see this team finishing as high as 14th right now. Yeah, and I think it is hugely influential i think it accelerates the landscape of the league so much if they can stay up this year because if they go down then they're gonna have to buy a couple more decent players to get back up and then maybe then they can sign some hard-hitting players but if they stay up with the money they have this summer they could bring in three or four world-class players and all of a sudden they're mid-table maybe next season the year after that they're competing for top six so i think this makes the league so much more interesting if they can manage to stay up um Looking at the bottom of the table, you know, I have to really eat my words here. Since I called him out, Josh Sargent has scored two goals in 21 games now. So Norwich, you know. Hey, maybe they, maybe he just needed you to call him out from start playing better. I guess so. Uh, he's he's uh, he's, nah, really he's he's good. He's 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 better than Juan Mata. No, just kidding. But so <laughs> Norwich is gone. Watford probably gone. Um, so yeah, Burnley, Newcastle, Everton, Leeds in their run of form. You can't lose 4-2 to Man United and expect to stay up either. So I think those are the those are the three that are contesting it. But I agree that Newcastle will stay up for sure. Before yeah. we before we move on, does anyone here realistically see Everton actually going down and how that takes place? I I I I, I just like as as long as I've been alive. Everton has been one of the clubs and the past couple of years, they have not been one of the clubs, but they have been consistently fighting at least a little bit. It does not seem like they're fighting at this point. They brought in a couple of players, they brought in Frankie, but I mean, do you generally, does it, do you, do either of you think that they go down? I think there's a definite chance. There's a definite chance because their run of form has just been atrocious. The last three matches. Yeah. not looking good. The only reason I would pick him to stay up is I think I think Frank has the passion to like he can pass enough of that on for these players to stay up. Um, 
I don't know. They brought in Donnie Vandebench. That's something, but yeah, I don't. And Deli Ali. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying, though. I'm not saying those are world beaters, but I think they're players with enough quality and enough experience. And Frank is a good enough manager to where I do see them staying up barely. It's just it's just dumbfounding to even talk about Everton in the relegation. And I, I, no, it's a good I point. Know. Yeah, I, I, I agree. But looking at the top of the table, City's lead is down to three points uh, with Liverpool's win today. Do you think that they're a legitimate title contender? Do you think they can challenge City? Or is it just a good run of form and they'll get close, but City will still pull away with it? Uh, I'm going to... And I, I, again, I think this is the consensus we got to at the beginning of the season is I think it, it will come down to squad depth sooner rather than later, especially at this point in the year. And that's just where Man City is a little bit better. Um, and Louis Diaz is looking great for Liverpool. So that was a genuinely great mm-hmm. transfer to bring in. They certainly have more depth at center back, which they had to learn the hard way last year when they lost everyone. Uh, and um that kid that got injured at the beginning of the year, I can't remember his name, but he's back now. Harvey Elliott's back now. He's actually like genuinely looking like a good player, which is great. Right. But I just, I don't think the depth is there still. I'm going to still say they can't do it. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I think it's interesting. I don't, what's, what's weird for me is I don't see either team really struggling throughout the rest of the season. Um, I mean, there's only what 10, 12 games left. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I really don't think Liverpool can pull this off. I think Man City has the intelligence to and, and the depth, like you were saying, to, to keep this lead and to, to pull it off. Um, I, I don't think Liverpool can do it, but I think they can make it really close. I, I'm not saying it's going to be more than a game. Um, I think if yeah. both teams stay in the run of form that they're in right now, I think this would come down to one, two, or even a three points at the end of the season. So I think it could stay close depending on what Liverpool can, if they can keep this form that they've been in. Um, but Man City, you know, I'm not going to say they've been slacking a little bit, but they've been putting in a couple of interesting performances, a gamer here that have been slipping some points and not been consistent as much as Liverpool has been, I would say. I'd, I'd say Liverpool has been a lot more consistent with the domination the past couple of games. Um, not to say Man City isn't or hasn't been, but I think Liverpool is showing a lot stronger of a side, but I think Man City is a lot, in a football sense, a lot smarter of a side and will be able to hold this off for the rest of the year. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, you look at the run of form that we were in you know, a month, two months ago, it was... Obviously, it was a great run, but that good of form isn't sustainable. So I think every club is going to, you know, go through a little bit of a stretch where they drop some points here and there where they usually shouldn't. But yeah, I I think we'll we'll still hold on to it. But I I definitely think that it's going to come down to the last two matches because Liverpool, I don't see them going away. It would be exciting if it came down to that. Finally, (laughs) I mean, Liverpool, Liverpool haven't lost a game haven't lost a game since December 28th and I lost yeah. against Leicester in the league. I don't know if Wait, anybody, that's crazy. in all competitions have not lost a game. And obviously Man City just lost a couple of points against Tottenham in a, probably one of the best Premier League games I've seen in a long time. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It's, I mean, 
even even that loss to to Tottenham, I mean, Man City has only lost one or two games in the last couple of months too. So, right. I think as a Man City fan, Dom, I think you need to hope that Liverpool slips up here real soon in the league and drops a point or a couple of points because if Liverpool keep this up, which they've shown they can in the past couple yeah. of years, they can keep doing this. Um, I think it's going to be really tough. I don't think they can do it this year. I really don't. But yeah, I was really hoping Leeds were going to do us a favor tonight, but they they did the opposite of that. <laughs> <laughs> but moving on to the final topic of the episode, some La Liga talk. Um, recently, the president of La Liga said that Holland to Barcelona and Mbappe to Madrid would be great for the league. Yeah, I, you, I wonder what, why. What, what do you, yeah, yeah, I wonder why. Um, mm. My first take from that is, well, yeah, it'd be great for the league, but <laughs> I, one, I don't, I don't know how the teams would make it work financially. They're both screwed. Um, and then also, what's best for the Liga isn't necessarily what's best for football in general. I think mm. yes, it'd be great for La Liga to finally have two stars again, but you know, then you know what star does the French league have? The German league already has a, a hard time keeping their stars, so I, I don't, I don't really see it happening. But what do you guys think? Okay, so I have thoughts on this, um, and I think this is a symptom of a larger problem in the footballing world, and I think it is trying to recreate Messi Ronaldo, not as players, but as a concept of we have two goats battling it out every year. It was so yeah. much more fun when they were in the same league, but it's always been fun. I mean, hold on. Is it, I believe it's Ronaldo won his first Ballon d'Or in 2008. And since then it just went back and forth between the two of them with one cheeky little Luka Modric in 2018. So I think what we're trying to do as a footballing world is we're trying to recreate that as an era. And I think we just need to accept that was insane. Like there were two players that had such great longevity and we're just miles ahead of everyone else for more than a decade. And we should not be expecting that from Holland and Mbappe. I very, very much love Holland as a player, as a person. Um, Mbappe, I think, is also incredibly, like, I think, yeah, very gifted. But I think the danger that comes with this, and this happened in a few years during Ronaldo and Messi as well, where then it's easy to overlook other players. And... <laughs> Just to name a few, like the young talents that we have right now, we have Jude Bellingham, we have Phil Foden, we have Vinicius is having an insane year. We have Pedri, who I think genuinely has the potential to be one of the best. Um, Florian Verts is someone who's impressed, impressed me in the Bundesliga a lot and could make a move out of the Bundesliga soon. So I think the only reason that I don't like this conversation is that I think it, it, we're trying to force two goats again because that's just what we're used to. And that could be detrimental to observing talent as a whole. And we could miss out on some great players getting what they deserve if we focus too much on just these two that seem like right now might be the best for the next five, 10 years. Yeah. And I think it's really not fair to them, you know, because now their whole career, they're going to be compared to Messi and um, Ronaldo. And if they don't live up to that hype, then everyone's going to be disappointed and write off their careers when I think we should just appreciate, you know, these players for what they are, you know, Halan plays, you know, a completely different style of football compared to both Messi and Ronaldo. 
and same with Mbappe. So I, I, I don't think it's really fair to keep comparing these players and, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, Chase, I, I agree that I, I don't I don't like – I've always thought personally that Messi is a better footballer than Ronaldo, and I'm just going to say that. But I always respected Ronaldo. I think they're two of the greatest players that have ever played. I don't think there needs to be – there's always some sort of comparison between a couple of players on who's better. And I, I just – for me, that just doesn't – like it just – like it, it makes sense in a competitive sport standpoint to have, you know, you want to be – the best player in the sport and you can be the best player in the sport. And those two are the best player in the sport. Maybe not at this present time because of their age and their performances, but they have been for the last decade. And when you start bringing in new talents and you start like, well, who's going to be the next best player in the sport? I mean, it could be anybody. And we're focusing really mainly on the strikers right now. And that's kind of how it always has been because it's a goal scoring sport, obviously. And we like to see goals, but like you were saying, I mean, we're we're really underappreciating the up and coming midfield talents, the up and coming center back talents, just talents all across the footballing world to compare two players to a rivalry that we will only see. And I'm 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 not I'm not going to say that this won't be a rivalry that we saw against Messi and Ronaldo, where it's just back to back, you know, balloon to oars, stats, goals, Champions League, league titles. But I don't want to. It would be cool to see them in the same league in La Liga mm-hmm. like that. I, 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 I don't think La Liga is the league for them to go to right now. I think La Liga has a lot of rebuilding to do. Um, I think that would help them do some rebuilding and it would definitely help bring in a lot more fan base to do more rebuilding. But I don't think that's the league that they should go to right now. But I definitely just don't think that we should even consider the possibility that there will ever be another comparison to Messi and Ronaldo, period. I think that was a lot, yeah. once in a lifetime thing. There's never going to be another competition like that. It was those two, and it's going to be that way. It, and who knows? Maybe in a couple of years, Mbappe or Holland just falls off the flat, the face of the earth, just completely tears an ACL, never comes back the same, and we never see it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I hope not, but yeah. But that reminds me. Yeah, that reminds me of two things I was going to say too. I think your point of respecting all positions is so important now especially with the evolution of the modern fullback is one of my absolute favorite things in football. You look at, obviously I don't like Liverpool, but Trent Alexander Arnold is just such a joy to watch. Um, Man City fullbacks play amazing. I love Reese James. Um, Ben Chilwell's okay. Uh, Spinozola, (laughs) Spinozola for Roma. And even for Italy, Spinozola was the reason they made it to the final. Like fullbacks are such a fun, dynamic and exciting position right now. We do need to move away from the striker obsession. And like you were saying, and this is this is new. La Liga, and specifically Madrid and Barca, this might not be the league to go to right now, which is crazy to think because we've gone from, this is where the best player, players have always had to prove it. We had Ronaldinho proving it for Barca. We had uh, Fat, no, not Fat Ronaldo. We had R9 Ronaldo. <laughs> I'm sorry. If you're listening, I don't mean that. But we had R9 Ronaldo prove it for Real Madrid. Beckham, Figo. This is where everyone went to prove themselves all the way into Ronaldo, Messi. But that might not be the case anymore. I understand the La Liga president trying to desperately hang on to that because, yes, like it would suck to lose that prestige. But... Maybe now it is 
the Prem. Maybe now you do go to Man City, Chelsea, Liverpool. Maybe now you do go to uh, Roma. Uh, well, probably not, but maybe now <laughs> it's time to move beyond that history, which on the one hand, you want the sport to evolve. On the other hand, even though I was never a specific fan of either of the teams, it would, to a certain extent, break my heart to see Madrid and Barcelona no longer be relevant in like the Champions League. That would just be so bizarre to happen in my lifetime. Yeah, I agree. And to kind of go off of something that you brought up with um, the, the Prem kind of being the league to go to now, I do think it would be good if, you know, both Mbappe and Haaland played in the same league. I think their first move should be to the Prem. Now, whether, whether their long-term goal is to get um, to La Liga, that's fine. But I think it would be easier for them to go from the Prem to La Liga instead of going to La Liga to the Prem. Just because we've seen a lot of players come from La Liga into the Premier League and not really do well, but we've seen a lot of players go from the Prem to La Liga and really succeed. So I think you know whether their long-term move is to the Prem, I do think that their next move should be there. Because I think it's pretty clear that you know both of them are going to be leaving soon. If I were them, I'd be coming to the prem. I got a, I got a couple of points I want to run off that real quick. So first of all, I genuinely think right now, as unbiasedly as possible, I think the prem is the best league in the world. I think mm-hmm. prem is the the toughest oh, league, the toughest league in the world. And I think if both players were to go to the same league, I think it should be to the prem. Um, and that would really define them to go wherever they wanted to go. And if they could succeed in the Prem right now in the next couple of years and do what they're doing in their leagues, I think that pretty much just cements the players that they are. Um, I, obviously, it would be fun as football fans to see them in the same league. But as a football fan, you also don't need to see them in the same league. You don't need to see them going head to head. You don't need to see them you know, competing against each other once or twice every, you know, couple of months. So I'm fine with whatever they do, but going back to the original point, taking both players to La Liga specifically to Barcelona and Madrid as a La Liga fan. And as a Barcelona fan, I think it would be, I think it would be great for Barcelona, but I don't think I just, I just genuinely don't think it's a viable option financially somehow there's st- somehow Madrid is still like 99% convinced they're going to sign Mbappe. Mbappe is like 99% sure he's going to go to Madrid. And if Barcelona can figure out a way to sign Holland, then they figure out a way to sign Holland. And then we have, you know, two of the biggest players in the world in La Liga, but I just don't, it's almost to the point where I just want to see, I, I just want to see them play. I don't want to see them play for my club as much mm. as I want them. To. I just want to see these players play and I want to see them be good I don't care where they play. I don't want a comparison. I obviously everybody has their own opinions on who they think is better, but I just feel like we need to get away from this whole, we need to see them play head to head to see who's really better because that's not what it's all about. It's not striker versus striker. We're playing a team versus a team Mm -hmm. and teams are built differently. Teams play differently. Leagues play differently. Everything is, it's never been, you know, it's never been, I mean, it's been Messi v. Ronaldo, but it's it's never been considered Barcelona versus Madrid, really, when they were playing against each other. It was always, who's going to perform in this game? And I'm just kind of tired of seeing that from a perspective of, and that's kind of why I don't want to see them together in the same league. But if they do go, I would like to see them go to the Prem because I think that's the hardest 
league to prove yourself into right now. And I think they're both young, and I think that would be the best decision for them. No offense well, to quick, La Liga. No, no, quick side question. Do you think both of them continue the consistent performance in the Prem? Do you think either of them couldn't cut it? I, If either of them couldn't cut it, I think it would be Mbappe, genuinely. Interesting. Okay. Because I, I think I think Mbappe is more focused on getting in behind, and I think a lot of the Prem teams are focused on stopping the in-behind run. I think Holland is a more physical. He kind of play. He Holland can do whatever the hell he wants to do on the pitch, and he can make mm-hmm. a run from mid pitch and hold off the central midfielders from the opposition team and still score that goal. I don't. I don't see how Mbappe does that every now and again, but he's more of a finesse kind of dribbler. And there's a lot of adept players in the Prem right now, especially midfielders that are really, really well balanced that can prevent a lot of the that's why we don't see a whole lot of fancy dribbling in the prem and, it, and especially not to compare triore but he was a more of a finesse he's a physical player and his physicality game worked really well his dribbles were good but he just wasn't able to create anything from it because the yeah. defense was really well prepared for a position like that and i i just don't see mbappe succeeding as well as Holland would but at the same time i don't know i think I don't know. And I'm not going to say, I'm not going to compare Lukaku to this conversation at all, because I think he's more of a, I think he did really well in Serie A. This is a quick side, right? Just because I think that's the way Serie A plays. They want their striker mm-hmm. or the striker and, you know, we'll get the ball to you. You just stay there. Don't move. And I don't think that's Holland at all. And if he turns into that kind of player in the prem, that's going to be, but I don't think that would ever be him. No, I think all of that makes sense. Yeah. I was just curious. Yeah. I think that's fair. But that pretty much wraps up everything I had planned for the episode. Um, I want to thank you guys, as always, for coming on. As always, it was a good discussion. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah no, this course. was a blast. Thank you. Of course, yeah. So thank you guys for listening. And as always, we are Deep Dive Sports. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of On The Pitch. Make sure to follow On The Pitch Podcast DDS on Instagram. Also, don't forget to follow deep.dive.sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And listen to any of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. Catch you in the next one.